Let's take our Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 14. Proverbs 14. Um, to begin tonight, I just want to read verse 23. <clears throat> Start us off. In all labor, there is profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you and praise you uh, for your word. We thank you and praise you that you're still saving souls, and we thank you for that. And it is our heart's prayer that some of them that came out this morning that have not yet come to salvation, that they would be brought under conviction by the word, that as they saw the living testimonies of the folks that got baptized, that you continue to work in their lives, that there'd be good follow-up for those that brought them. And I pray, Father, that... Uh, we would see others coming to salvation. Thank you for this opportunity to be together tonight, be with those who are away. Help us, Lord, to profit from our time studying in the Word of God, and might it work itself out practically in each of our lives. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. I've entitled tonight's message, as you saw in the bulletin, uh, Wisdom in the Marketplace. Wisdom in the Marketplace. Uh, just so you know, and to give proper credit to it. Um, I actually got the, uh, took the title Marketplace uh, from an article uh, that I read and still have in my files dated 1988. Uh, it goes back into that. That's where I got it. It was written by Jerry Jones and uh, it was called, to have the entire title of the article, Ministry in the marketplace and uh, that's so that's where if you're wondering why I have marketplace there uh, where it came from and uh, it isn't that I'm going to be preaching his message that he gave in the article or whatever there will be a couple of things that over the course of uh, this area that I thought were very practical that we will talk about uh, but that's anyway where it came from the wisdom in the marketplace and uh, I want you to know that what we're talking about, when I talk about marketplace anyway, and we deal with it, is our job, is the workplace. But beyond that, it's the concept of work, uh, the concept of work. I'm not talking about the supermarket. I'm not talking about going to market basket. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm not talking about going to the store. You know, so having wisdom when you go to the store, how to make the wisest choice in what you buy. We're not talking about buying techniques. That's not, that's not what we're dealing with here in the book of Proverbs, and I know you probably realize that. But So even though I'm using the word marketplace, again, because of the benefit that I received from reading a number of things, particularly that uh, article that I referred to, uh, we are really talking about work. We're talking about job. We're talking about uh, work ethic. We'll get back to that in just a moment. But since we're coming to the last area in, the, in Proverbs that... Uh, I'm not going to have an intensive review. It'll take me 20 minutes. It's just, just a couple of seconds to remind us. The topical studies that we've been doing in Proverbs have been for the purpose, and that is how I'm viewing this, for the purpose of looking at wisdom in the scriptures on how to live a life, live a life, important, that is both profitable for us and that would be pleasing to God. How can we live a life, and I, I'm sure that's true of everyone that's here tonight, and, and would be of any professing believer. 
that they would want to know and that we want to know how can we live a life that is profitable for us, that we sense that profitability, and we know at the same time is pleasing to God. So that's how we've been dealing with the book of Proverbs and taking it from a topical study. And just one last reminder, there are five areas that we looked at, um, and tonight is the sixth one that we enter into. We looked at uh, general, and I'm not going to go into all of that about the fool versus foolishness versus wisdom and the fear of God, all of that. That's where we started. Then we went into spiritual wisdom, how to have wisdom in our spiritual life. And then we took it, tried to be as practical as I could be with it, into our personal life. We had a number of messages on that. And then a number of messages on the family, how to be involved as a family. And, and specifically from the book of Proverbs, while we looked in other books as well. And we will do that in this area as well, uh, that it primarily came out of the book of Proverbs. And then the last one that we were in was the social area, just our general social life. Uh, so now we're moving into our concept of job, a concept of work. And uh, I want to make a number of comments uh, tonight right at the beginning that, I, that I'm going beyond just your career. Because work is something that really we spend our entire life, and in reality, most of our life in. And that's not just going out to a job, it's what I'm talking about. But you all know well, if you're a student here tonight, you know that it is work that you are involved in. And we are going to be looking at some principles that I believe are important to get into our children. We have a number of things that are going on in our society today. Uh, that you hear about, you know, this uh, problem with this child, that problem with this child, this is now the new category that psychologists put in and so forth. I'm not here to criticize psychologists or any of that information at all. But I will tell you this, that I personally believe, even from observation, that a lot of the difficulties that happen are because we do not instruct our children in the concept of work, in the concept. It is work, is it not, ladies, around the house? You're involved in it all of the time. And you say, not just the ladies, how about the men? The cutting of the lawn, the repairing of things, the things we got to do. So that, when I talk about some of these principles and uh, we deal with it, I want us to look beyond, though there'll be a lot of reference to career, uh, the workplace. It is the whole concept of work, the whole concept of labor, the whole concept that I believe right from a child we need to be involved in and realize that our life is going to be involved in this until we go home and be with the Lord. Be that in the local church, be that in our social life, or in the career that God may have called us to. So I just want to say that from my heart so you know uh, really what I will be dealing with and, and getting some instruction from uh, out of the book of Proverbs and the study uh, that I have done. So how should we behave as far as labor? How should we behave with work? Should we work? Should we be involved even in the aspect that I brought up? What about children? Should it just be a playtime until they're 18 years of age? And you know, it's not very, and I know some of you may have thought, uh, I know some of you have learned since that it is true. Some of you may have thought I was a little silly when I talked about the fact that our society is directly involved in extending the age of adolescence into the 20s. They are. And there's a number of articles that are out there on it right now because of decisions and everything that's going on. 
But I, I hear time and time again, I want to let them be a child. Well, we do want to let our children be children. But should we be training them to labor? Should we be tra training them to take responsibility? Should we be training them on how to perform work, such as taking care of their room, such as uh, when they're helping with chores, such as when they're outside, such as when they're involved in other things? Should we be involved in that? What about our own jobs? Uh, how should we view this job, quote unquote? How should we view our labor? Is that, for example, I think you can answer this right away, but we'll take a look at it eventually. Is it part of our worship? And let's, let's be honest, do we view all of the labor that we do? When you're cutting your lawn, are you looking that I'm worshiping God? When you're taking care of your room, are you seeing that as that is worshiping God? When you're serving in the church and you're doing something in the church, let's say it's in the nursery, uh, which I don't think there is any tonight because I see my wife and daughter and they're supposed to be in there and if they're in here, that means there's no children. So uh, they're not sloughing off on the job though. But um, uh, the point is if you're laboring in the nursery, uh, how should you view that? Is, do we view that as worship? Uh, normally, I don't think we do. Uh, are we just talking about um, you know, adults? No, we're not. There is some general thinking that I think is common. I think I've had it from time to time. Um, and I, I want to just present that to help you to see why, again, I think this is practical from the book of Proverbs. And I know you're probably saying, let's just get to the meat, Pastor Dan. I want to stimulate our thinking, uh, even as I've studied, and uh, make us think a little bit. Is it just a necessary evil? Some think that way. You know, our job, the work that I'm called to do, it's a necessary evil. Some think that it's a result of the curse. Now, I'll deal with that, and I know many of you, because I've already taught in that area, uh, know the answer to that, but some think that, you know, work is just a curse, the result of the curse. Um, there are many today, I think it's a lot different even when I was younger, uh, many of the think, much of the thinking today is that my employer owes me. He owes me. I have rights. It isn't me serving him, he should, or they should, or the company should be serving me. They owe me things. Uh, sometimes it's the other way around. Sometimes employers think that they own the employee and they should just give them 24 hours, doesn't matter what goes on. And you know that some of you even in this room have been affected by that, that type of thinking. Either that no matter what they say, you jump. And the other side of the coin is that sometimes as a boss, it's, it's just you think you own them. And, and everything else, and they're supposed to respond. So there's a lot of that thinking that's really around much more than we want to even talk about. Uh, there is, I think, more of a tendency today to not say it out loud, but to be looking for more money and less hours. I think that's a reality. I think even if you talk about the concept of teaching children responsibility, and uh, talking about allowances and that whole area. Um, I think that's kind of the thinking, you know, that there's got to be more money and certainly probably the most abusive area I think that's obvious to us is in the athletic field today. They, they want longer contracts, yeah, but longer contracts with less amount of work that they're doing and phenomenal amount of pay. And you say, well, yeah, that's sports. No, it's happening everywhere. Where, where people are demanding 
more money and I want less hours and they don't want to put in that extra effort. Um, there is the concept, I think, when it comes to the concept of work is let me get away with as little as possible, whether that be, again, from chores around the home to uh, custodial work to helping in ministry. You know, by the way, we had a great function, I believe, yesterday. I was not here from it, but I've had a lot of feedback already. And women, you did a wonderful job from what I heard, and uh, the ladies. But, you know, how do we treat that? The setup, the preparation of it, that's all part of the work. Should we just do as little as possible um, to get by? Uh, sometimes that's the concept and that we have. Um, do whatever you will, that's another, and I just jotted these down, and these are from various things that I've read, various things that I've seen, but to do whatever you have to to make a profit. If you have to cheat, if you have to lie, if you have to steal, if you have to exaggerate, you say where, on your resume? Do whatever you've got to do to get that position or to get ahead or to exaggerate. And I'll tell you something that's happening right now. And again, I want to be totally uh, addressing all of this area of, of work uh, with the young people so they start preparing for it. A lot of the universities and colleges are now looking way beyond the academics. And if you don't think so, you're kidding yourself. And uh, I know from talking with a number of people right now, that what they're doing is they do, they do. They're interested in what you did on the SATs. They're interested in what you're doing and how your ranking is. That's primary. But then they're also looking, what are you involved in socially? What are you doing? Where have you shown yourself to be involved in other things? And I can tell you a true story in my own personal life years ago that uh, when I was a senior, then New Hampshire College, now Southern New Hampshire University, very few jobs happen, and one of the reasons I did get a job was because of my involvement in the school. And the, it was the, the managing partner of the firm was the one that, that hired me for an internship and then later on, and he was right up front with me. He said, there's others that get some better grades than you have, there's others that have done well, but it had to do with the fact that I was involved and well-rounded. That is becoming more important today. And another safeguard, we just, I just passed an article around to the staff, some of them have seen it, most of them have not yet. My wife saw it because I passed it around to her. But I've seen a number of articles on this. Be careful with your Facebook, young children. Right now, the public schools are searching Facebook on prospective students if they have a Facebook account. And they are determining admissions based upon what they have revealed even in their Facebook accounts. That's not my imagination. You'll start reading that more and more in articles. What we do. So how are we behaving beyond just that? Uh, it, do we just get ahead by exaggerating? Do we do get ahead by lying? Do we get ahead? Does anything else matter? Yes, it does. Um, the other thing is uh, we expect perfect conditions. By the way, you will not find perfect conditions until you're in heaven, either in your marriage, either in your family, either in the local church, either in you, or even in the workplace. It's just not perfect, but we expect everything perfect. Another one that we've run into over the years is the concept of when I am at work, it's more important to keep the Lord first. That's true. And if it means losing my job and I can witness when I'm supposed to be paid to work, that's okay. The Lord will honor that. Now, now you always have the Lord first, but the concept of witnessing, we'll talk about that. Um, also, the other thing that happens 
is uh, I can and should be involved in doing other things other than that which I've been hired for, other than that what I've been asked to do. And again, does that get down into the, to the practicality of the family? I believe it does. Your parents ask you to do something and you did everything else, but you didn't do what they wanted you to do. Okay, that's a work ethic. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about having wisdom in a marketplace. And I've seen it. I've seen it when I was in accounting to go way beyond the church here. And uh, when I was in a management position and people that worked, you would hire them for a specific purpose and they would try to be involved in personnel policies. They would try to be involved in management. They weren't even hired for that. It was none of their business. They weren't doing what they were hired to do. That happens also in the Christian life. That happens also in the job market that a person's hired maybe to work on computers, but they get all the answers for the personnel policies and the other decisions and everything else that's going on, and they got this ministry out there in the back room with somebody else, and they weren't hired for that at all. So how does it all fit? Okay. So those are just some. I, the, the list goes on, and I don't want to bog down on it. But the point is, I think because of all of this practicality that we are facing and we do face, what is it that the scriptures tell us? And, and is it important the way I view and how can I live with purpose and live a way that is beneficial to me when I'm working and at the same time is honoring and pleasing to God in the workplace? Well, I want to talk about some things outside of Proverbs and a little bit in Proverbs tonight to set the tone. So let me cover a couple of things right up front. Number one, that is God expects all of us to work. All of us. Not just your mom and dad. Not just when you get to have a career. He does expect everybody to work. We will see that. However, the first thing I want to give you is who set the example. God did. What do you mean? He set the example for work. Go with me to Genesis chapter 2. As we have in a couple other places, we go back and look at a few other things. Then we'll get down into Proverbs. But I think it can help us with the concept of work itself. Where do we find it? The first place we find it is creation. True or not true? What do you think? Think I'm exaggerating? Think I'm taking it out of context? Well, let's see what the scriptures say. Chapter 2 of Genesis. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their hosts. By the seventh day, God had completed what? Huh? Hello? His work. You say, yeah, but that's, you know, that's not a career. That's not, a, that's not my point. Again, it's a work ethic. He had completed his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. I'm not making up these words. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it because he had rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Now, I honestly have to be, you know, with my own conscience here, I don't know how much work it was for God, <laughs> you know. Come into being. Okay. You know? But nevertheless, it's the principle, is what I'm getting at. Even God in the things that He did, see, that's why I say it comes back to youth. It comes back to even preparing your children. As you know, I just saw my newest grandchild not too long ago, and we'll be seeing them again by God's grace soon uh, when it comes to Christmas time. But that child already has to be given a method of teaching that child and, and 
my son and uh, uh, daughter-in-law are already involved in that process because there's going to be the process of that person learning how to do things. That is work. This is what God did. He created the world. That was part of what he did. And I won't go into all the details of chapter 1, but let me just call to mind a couple of other things with God. Did, was that it? Did he rest and doesn't do anything else? No. Did God continue to work throughout the Old Testament? Can anybody give me, let's have some participation. Can anybody give me one example in the Old Testament where God worked and did anything? Yeah. This is a simple one. That's one I thought might come up. I don't know who said it, but the Ten Commandments, right? Even by the finger of God, you know, he wrote and he, he outlined things. Anyone give me another one quick? The rainbow. It was. Right? The flood came, and, and by the way, that was a part of what he did there as well. Is part of the work of God, but always, you know, obviously glorifying himself. But again, just to think as, help us to think, he was setting the example and displaying before us the whole time the idea of action, the idea of putting in effort, the idea of doing things. Can anybody give me one or two? Go ahead, Camille. Yeah, deliverance of Israel. That's another one that I thought we might get. Was he involved in that? Sure. Did he send plagues to help the, you know, was he behind that? Was he at work in the life? Yeah, again, and we, I just want you to, to begin to think, and what I'm saying is God also demonstrated the concept of doing things and doing them well. And, and he doesn't just sit back like people are thinking today. By the way, there's another one for the New Testament uh, as well as the Old Testament. Right now, the only reason gravity works and the only reason you and I are alive is because God's sustaining it. He's still working. He's still by his power and his attributes. And we could get into all the theo theology on that, but I think you get the principle uh, that I'm getting at. Did he work through Jesus Christ, for example, in sending his son, in planning salvation from the foundation of the world and then seeing it through? Is he working in you and he's working in me? Isn't that what uh, it says in Philippians chapter 1 that we often quote in verse 6? God is working both to will and to do of his good pleasure. I'm sorry, that was chapter 2. In chapter 1, what he has begun, he will complete. Isn't that God working in you? Yeah, now we might not think of it that way. That's why I want us to go beyond again just the job in the concept of God himself. He set the tone. He's working in me. He's working in you. Is he working in this world right now preparing the future? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Did he work to the prophets? We could go on. But get that much as well. God is in the business of enjoying work, glorifies himself in it, and participates and does it as well. And he doesn't stop. So it is something that, as I said in the beginning, will be there all a lifetime. And it is not part of the curse. Let me just, since we're already in Genesis, I thought I'd address that right up front, and I know most of you know it. And you're in chapter 2, so just to keep you there so you're not jumping all over the place, and that is that it is not part of the curse. It happened before. Now, you already should catch that from what God did. But how about in relationship to us? Look at verse 15. Then the Lord God took man, put him in the Garden of Eden. For what purpose? Help me. To cultivate it? Is that work? I think so. And what? Maintain it or keep it, right? When the Lord commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden, you may eat freely. What happened? The fall happens in chapter 3. And so the whole concept of even laboring 
God has always had that design. So if you're going to get nothing else tonight, uh, as far as application, you catch this part of it. Right away, God, before the fall, had a design so that man would be involved in that which he did create and put effort into it and glorify him. And what? Have pleasure in it. You should enjoy your job. It shouldn't be a case that I can't stand to go to work. It's time to retire. It is for all of us. You get into a situation like that. Or ask God to change the attitude. Maybe the attitude isn't right or whatever it might be. But I want you to see again, it was not just because there was a curse or a fall of man. I personally believe that God, now understand what I'm saying, God had a sovereign plan and he also knew man would fall. He knew Christ would come. I understand all of that theologically. But if you will, and if to ask the question, if man had uh, not sinned and everything else, which we always get into those questions, what about then? Man still would have worked. That's my point. He still would have brought glory to God. He still would have enjoyed what he was doing because of what God would have assigned him to. So God expects us to work. He has expected man to work from the beginning. And you see it in other simple ways, by the way. Wasn't it work to name the animals? You think that was important? I do. I personally do. Now, he gave him the freedom. And you're going to see that that's what happens. Sometimes, and I, again, want to be practical to the children as well. You know, if you talk about, you know, tidy up your room, maybe some parents will have, you have to put this in that spot and this in that spot and this in that spot. And I'm not going to talk about trying to criticize what people might do. But generally, it's usually pick up, the, pick up your things uh, uh, and, and allow the child to learn some things and whatever. There's flexibility. He did that with Adam. Name the animals. Till the, till the garden. Take care of it. Uh, he didn't give him always specific instructions uh, because he allowed man uh, to work. And I'm thankful that, by the way, we can even see that quality as we will project ahead uh, when we're on a job because many times the boss wants you to think. Uh, by the way, you're not going to like this one, children. <laughs> one of your primary responsibilities now is to work while you're in school. You say, yeah, that no, 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 no. To work while you're in school with what? Homework. To prepare. To be diligent. Listen, young people, that stage, this stage of your life, that is your primary responsibility. To respond to your parents and what they want and to do work in school to prepare you for whatever God wants. It's part of your preparation. So let's get into that aspect tonight to just start it off. What? Children are to learn how to work to glorify God at home. What? God expects us right away, not just at the career. We're going to get that. We're going to talk about that. And by the way, don't turn it off as parents and say, okay, good, now we can fall asleep for a little while and get back. No. But let's look at some Proverbs on this. Go with me to a couple of quick Proverbs before we close tonight. Proverbs 1. You've heard this one before. What? Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are graceful wreath to your head and ornaments about your neck. You say, I don't see anything in there about work. That is the start of Proverbs where he gets into right away 
that the father is involved and the mother is involved in the structure, and it's going to happen throughout the book where he is going to talk about some of the things that we're going to see regarding work ethics and the importance. But to take it a little bit further, let's just look at two others and I'll try to give you some examples. Go with me to Proverbs 20. There's one before that I want to look at, but let's go to Proverbs 20 for a moment. Watch. My point is, work is a good thing. Get in the habit of working now. Get your children in the habit of learning good work ethics. That's what we're talking about. These principles that we're going to learn from the book of Proverbs. Don't just think of it as our careers. Think of it as the way to honor God. God was a worker, expects us to perform work. In chapter 20 of Proverbs, for just a second, look at verse 11. Watch. It is by his deeds, look at this, that a lad distinguishes himself. Let me stop there, and I'll continue to come back to it right away. It is by his deeds. It's by what he does. It's by the ethic that he puts in, really. It's by what you're involved in. You are building a reputation even as a lad, if you will. And that is how you will distinguish himself. And you know what it's like. Now, we're not talking about, so I get that clear, the level of intelligence. Everybody has a different level of intelligence, and God does not expect you to perform beyond that. And some will perform up here, and some will perform here, and wherever. It's not that. And I can tell you that in dealing with students honestly before the Lord. Uh, Chris is here as administrator, other administrators. I know already the current administrator has seen that. And so some of my students are sitting out in front of me. So, you know, I don't really pray for you guys. I really want to see you succeed. I do, with all my heart as a teacher. And I recognize right away some of them are able to do better in uh, in, with their intelligence than others, but no one can give me the excuse, and I won't accept it from a student, that they can't work and that they can't put in their effort and that they can't uh, do certain things, and you will be known. And that's what will come across even to a teacher and even to your parents. You will be known in your home. Let's say there, there's more than one child for you. It doesn't matter whether there's one child or more than one child. You will know right away as a parent what type of person you're trying to bring up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord by the way they are performing things, by the way they are doing things. And sometimes you'll hear it from a parent. Or you parents won't say it, but you know, yeah, my son and daughter's lazy. My son and daughter is very diligent. Yeah, they, they don't have the best of maybe even academics, but boy, their effort and the, the way they put in, and they really work hard. And they, you know, what I'm saying to you young people, it's right there in Scripture. What are you seeing? The deeds that you do will dis the way be distinguished yourself. And then it deals even with conduct. Look, and I'll go on in verse 11. If his conduct is pure and right, the hearing ear, the seeing eye, the Lord, notice again, work made both of them. Do not love sleep. What? You'll become poor. Now, I know the practicality of that. And believe it or not, for some of you, you're going to really face it in college. Not even in elementary and high school so much. It's tough enough getting the kids out of bed then. Wait till you get to college and you have to wake yourself up. I don't know if any of you, some of you have some college students out there. I don't know if any of them are running into that, but I know that was a problem to me. All of a sudden, now you're at school and there's no mom and dad saying, time to get up. The professor could care less. <laughs> you have to get up on your own all of a sudden. Where did that start? It started with, uh, again, back in the home. 
and, and you know, don't love sleep, what will happen? You become poor. Open your eyes, it says in verse 13, and you'll be satisfied with food. That's, the, again, the concept. Now, that started, if you look at uh, more, even more of the context, there's sin that's involved in there and the life and conduct. You have a marker going all the way back up to dealing with wine in, in uh, chapter 20, verse 1. But in there, you see, again, the concept of children. We have to be involved. We have to see that we need to be workers. And it should be that you're tired at the end of the day, not because you've been lazy, but because you've been involved in work. Go to one other one on this. I'll just mention a couple of things before we close tonight. Go to chapter 10. Chapter 10 of Proverbs. Uh, about verses 4 and 5. Again, so that you see that he's still dealing with a son. Verse 4. Poor is he who works with a negligent hand. That's a principle there. You say, yeah, I'm not, I'm not talking just riches. No, no, go beyond that in the book of Proverbs. Yes, riches too. But it says in the, in the rest of the verse, the contrast is the hand of the diligent is what makes rich. That's a hard worker. And we're going to come back to that hard worker concept as we begin to continue in this area in Proverbs. But notice verse 5. He who gathers in summer, watch, is a son who acts what? Wisely. That's a son that's diligent. He doesn't turn around and say, ah, oh, summer's here, no school. Yeah, we all do that. But then turn around and say, you know, I have no responsibilities. I don't think we have any children like that or parents that are bringing up their children that way. I hope not. You know, you do have responsibilities. And you need to be thinking ahead. But he who sleeps in harvest is a son that acts shamefully. See how the actions, see how even the worth ethics of young people set a, a tone? And that's what will happen so that we get it across. Let me, because I don't want to just pick on the young people tonight, Think about it as adults. You become an embarrassment to your spouse. You become an embarrassment to society. You become an embarrassment to the name of Christ, if that's the type of worker you are, that you sleep when the harvest is due, that you don't prepare, that you're not a diligent worker already, to set some concept. Time's got to kind of get away from me here. But, well, you know, think about it. Was David, let me give you an illustration, was David a worker when he was young? Can anybody tell me what David did? Shepherd. Could his parents turn around and say, listen, could his parents have the confidence that he was so diligent that if a lion came, he would fight the lion off? You know what our tendency would be? If there's going to be a lion, and not my son, not my daughter, let me get my gun. You know, but they had, he had been so well trained. And I know that was a different culture. I'm not trying to be critical in that. But I want you to see that he was so responsible. He didn't have to have his mom and dad. He knew, that's my responsibility. A bear comes, the Lord's the one. See how they had been taught? He had been taught, the Lord's my protector. That bear comes, I don't have to get on my cell phone. He didn't have one. Get on my cell phone and call mom. What do I do? He knew exactly what to do. Exactly what to do. How about Joseph? Was he a worker? I'm talking about Joseph in many colors. Debbie's shaking her head yes. Can you give me an example? Put you on the spot. It doesn't have to be anybody. She's not going to ever nod her head again. <laughs> I'm only kidding. But think of Joseph. Somebody help her out. Can you think of it? 
<laughs> sure. How about when he was younger? Took the food. There's a simple one, didn't he? His father said, hey, they're on the battlefield. And what did he do? He had trained, the, and, and his son saw the importance of labor. He saw the principles, and what did he do? Go, wait a minute. I got the wrong guy. That was David. You, you fooled me, too. I always think that was David that went to. David was the one that brought the, the food out, and then he got criticized by his brothers. But yes, he was involved. You're thinking of the food that he distributed. Older. Is that what you had? Took it up to his brothers. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I was there. Okay. Yeah, but he did. And where did he learn that? When he was young. Shadmack, Shadmack, Shadrach, excuse me, late Friday night, Sunday night. I'm not even with it. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went into the fiery furnace. We all know that. Where do you think they learned those principles about not bowing down to God and about working hard? Where do you think Daniel learned it? Okay? And he was taken off as a young boy. As we look, by the way, so I don't just pick on the, 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 the guys. What about some of the young women? A lot of them carried water, went and got water. They fetch water. How do you think they learned those things? It was all surrounded by the concept of what I'm trying to say, and that is learning how to be wise in the marketplace. Learning how to be wise and to be diligent. Learning how to understand responsibility, chores, schoolwork, work around the home, work on the career, work and, and it's all surrounding this. So Lord willing, we'll stop here tonight. Um, and I didn't even get into chapter 14. That was the next thing I was going to do, chapter 14, verse 23. But we'll, we'll learn some principles, hopefully, that can help us in the marketplace. And the whole concept, not just of our jobs, that's part of it, but the whole concept. And if you get, I believe, if we get the concept right in work, it'll affect our careers. It'll affect everything that we do. It'll affect how you play sports. It'll affect how you clean something. It will affect how you look at somebody, how you help somebody else out. And hopefully we can learn some principles together. Let's close in a word of prayer. Our Father in God, I thank you and praise you for the word of God. I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you, Lord, that you labored. You demonstrated it to us, not only in creating the world, but as you continue to work in our lives, and I'm so grateful and thankful that you do that. I'm so grateful and thankful that you're faithful, faithful to us when we're not faithful to you. And I pray, Father, I know every one of us have our failings and weaknesses, be it young or old, in the area of living for the glory of God and even treating our labor the way we probably should. And I pray that we'd learn some principles in our study that will help us to be better representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ in all the work that we do in every area of our life. Thank you for this time together. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Chris.